Matthew chapter number 16, Matthew chapter number 16, and what a moment that is going to be uh, when we get to see our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. I trust that you know you're saved, I trust that you know you're on your way to heaven, and uh, you hear me say this often, if you're saved, let's, 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 let's be excited about being saved. And uh, there's some wonderful things in heaven we had to look forward to as a benefit of our salvation, but we don't have to wait to get to heaven to enjoy our salvation. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to uh, receive these benefits. And so we look forward to uh, what God has for us this morning and uh, through the Word of God and certainly want the Word of God to speak to our hearts. (coughs) Matthew chapter number 16, I'm going to read uh, what will be a a fairly familiar passage of Scripture for us uh, and is one of the bedrock Scriptures of uh, the local church. And uh, I'm going to spend some time uh, in the Scripture this morning and I'm going to uh, use, use some illustration this morning that I think will help us put into context uh, this passage of Scripture. Uh, but certainly we live in, and one thing we can be certain about is there's a lot of uncertainty in this world. Uh, but one thing that is, we can be sure of is we can be sure of this book. We can be sure of what this book says. We can be sure of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what goes on in this world does not determine whether or not I'm saved or not. Uh, what goes on in this world does not determine whether or not I can live victoriously. Uh, it does not it makes no difference at all as long as we follow the Word of God. And as a church, we have a great opportunity. We have a great responsibility. Uh, we started last Sunday teaching in Sunday school a series on stewardship that will take us throughout the year. And uh, I am reminded as a church, we are to be a good steward, not just individually. Certainly that applies. Uh, but we ought to be a good steward of where God has placed us and make the difference and the impact uh, that God has given us the opportunity to do. And I certainly <coughs> want us to be aware of that, and I want us to fulfill our responsibility. Matthew chapter number 16, I'll begin reading with verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I'm going to take this passage of Scripture this morning, and I will refer to all of the Scripture that I've read this morning at some point throughout the message. But our text will be mainly taken from verse number 18 and verse number 19. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now I'll talk more about this in detail in just a moment. Peter is not the founding stone of the church. He was not the first pope either. Uh, Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This morning, using this passage as my text, I want to speak on this subject. Some things 
never change. Some things never change. I believe this passage is going to help us this morning. It's going to put some things in context for us this morning. I hope that it reminds us of our responsibilities as Christians. And uh, I trust that it will be a help to us today. Father, I pray that you would uh, use the Word of God to do what only the Word of God can do. Uh, may it bring us some comfort today. May it challenge us. May it convict us. And Father, I pray once again that if there's someone in the service or someone listening by way of live stream or by radio that's unsaved, may the Spirit of God work in their heart even now. May they realize that they're a sinner. May they realize their need of salvation. May they realize there is but one who can provide that salvation, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for the Christian today that we would be encouraged. May we be reminded of some very important things today. May we be challenged to do more for you in the days ahead. Bless the remaining time. May it be used to your honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a lot of important truths in this passage of Scripture. Of course, we'll not have time to get to all of them today. <laughs> but there are some things that I want to point out to you and uh, some things that uh, the Lord has shown me that I think will be a blessing to all of us. Uh, in verse number 13, we find the place that this takes place. Now, no doubt, this is in a very important passage of Scripture. In verse number 18, we're reminded that the Lord builds His church. and we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Very, very important. Uh, but it's also important for context that we understand the place that Jesus spoke these words. I think back to a year ago, actually a year ago right now, uh, several of us uh, had the opportunity to, be, to visit Israel. And how, how that puts certain context uh, into the scripture that you read. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a picture this morning from that trip. If you can go ahead and put that first picture up that I think will help us and give us some context to this uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, the, the, the first picture that, you're going to see, that you see is a picture that we took uh, while we were there at Caesarea Philippi. Now, let me give you some context to what you see. Uh, you see the big cavern, the big cave. Uh, that is significant. Keep that in mind. And to the right of that, uh, you see the carving out of the side of the mountain. Uh, that is where a temple to a false god is set. As Jesus brought his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, let me tell you about Caesarea Philippi. Uh, it was a center of paganism. Uh, that is how it looks today. This is not how it looked in the time that Jesus took his disciples there. It's roughly 20, 25 miles away from uh, Galilee, and all of those places where God performed many miraculous things. Uh, it was known for its false gods. If you think back to the days of Jeroboam in the city of Dan, as he set up his temples, his altars to false gods. And then from there, the people began to uh, worship the Greek god, the Greek false god of Pan. Uh, the, the, na the city was named even in his honor. Sometime later, the Romans, of course, conquered the territory, and Herod Philip rebuilt the city and named it after himself. Uh, but Caesarea Philippi did not worship Roman gods, continued to worship the false god Pan. Uh, they worshipped Pan, who 
certainly was a false god, and part of their religious ceremony uh, involved uh, the sacrifice of goats, um, much paganism and uh, just debauchery took place in this city. Um, There are uh, history records uh, as part of their uh, ceremony and part of their, their culture in their temples was prostitution and even bestiality and just the most wicked things that you could imagine. And let me remind all of us that when you chase false gods, uh, there is a lifestyle that goes with that. And this was the setting, and I'm bringing all this up for a reason because I want you to stay with me. The cave that you see there, the cavern, just to the right of it, Uh, was a temple, and there's several places up there that you'll see. But in that cave is where they would bring the goats up, and they would sacrifice the goats and throw them down into that cavern uh, as a sacrifice to the god Pan. Go to the next picture for me if you would. This is another picture taken from up on that rock, if you will, where they built their false temples. You can still see uh, some of the mountain carved out where they had their false gods. And at one time, there were their temples that set up on that rock, on those stones. You can see that cavern there just in the background. Uh, That's a different perspective. But that is where um, all of this took place, this center of false religion, this center of false gods. Now, bear in mind, This is where Jesus took his disciples to declare that he would build his church. He did not do it in Bethlehem. He did not do it in Nazareth. He did not do it in the company of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He took his disciples to the most pagan place in that vicinity to declare to them that he was the church that could be built upon and that the church he would add to the church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Now keep in mind the cave or the cavern that I showed you that they took those goats and they would sacrifice those goats. (coughs) And uh, literally, the people who lived in Caesarea Philippi believed that the gates of hell were located in that cavern. They believed that was the entrance into the underworld. Give some context to what Christ is saying to his disciples. He did not in the the comfort of the temple. He did not uh, in the midst of all of his other believers and followers, but he took his followers to this wicked place to declare that he was the Son of God, and that upon himself, upon this rock, bear in mind, those temples were built up on a rock, out of a rock. What did Jesus say? Upon this rock, I will build my church. So in the midst of the market, in the midst of the day-to-day business, there is the Lord and his disciples with a backdrop of, the, of debauchery, the backdrop of idol worship, the backdrop of sacrificing goats, literally what they believed was the gate of hell into the underworld. 
there it was, picture in your mind, Christ who is the Son of God, Christ who came to save men from their sin, with that backdrop, makes the, asks these questions and makes these declarations unto His disciples. So I want you to see those pictures this morning to give you some context to what the Lord is saying. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, give me your attention, if you would. Bear in mind the wickedness of this place. Bear in mind what was taking place in the vicinity of what God, uh, where God was, uh, the, the idol worship, uh, the worshiping this God Pan, who was to uh, control the fertility and to control the blessings of the crops. And they would sacrifice those goats and they would throw it in. And it, 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 there, if, the, if it sank or whether or not it floated was a determination of whether or not uh, their sacrifice was accepted. But they literally believed that that was the gate to the underworld. With that in context, there's a few things I want us to be reminded of that will show us that some things never change. I know sometimes the excuse is, as God's people today, well, the world's just too wicked. Well, I believe there's a reason why Jesus took his disciples to where he took them. Now, to you and I, some of you may have driven 25 miles to church this morning. They didn't get in their car and travel to this city by vehicle. They didn't Uber. They walked. The Lord found it important enough to walk 25 miles with his men to make this important observation. Let me make a few statements from the passage this morning that I believe will help us as we realize some things never change. Let me say, number one, Jesus is not just the founder of the church, but he's also the foundation of the church. Verse 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Those who just look at things on the surface and they don't study out Scripture will say, and Catholic Church being the main one, says that God is building his church on Peter. Well, God's not going to build his church on any man. And that's not the context of which that is given. And if you can think of those temples being built up on those rocks. Was the Lord referring to that? Possibly. But I know what Scripture says concerning the rock. The name Peter, or Petros, means pebble. You take the word rock, Petra, signifies a large Rock, a large cliff, something that's immovable. There's a difference between a pebble and even a boulder. There's a difference between a pebble and that which is assigned to have a cliff on it. There is a difference in when Jesus said, he said, Peter, the pebble, he was referring to him as the pebble. He, as the rock, is the rock to which the church was going to be built on. Even Peter himself acknowledged this in, in 1 Peter chapter number 2. He refers to Peter, when he speaks of Christ, he refers to him as the chief cornerstone. Even Peter acknowledged that Jesus, not just the founder, but the foundation of the church. Church isn't built on any man, it's built on the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter also acknowledged that he is the head of the stone or the headstone of the church. Uh, Peter even understood that 
It was all about the Lord. It was about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think with me just for a moment with that, that visual image in your mind of this pagan city and <coughs> they're about their business going throughout the marketplace, going throughout the day. The temples are open and there is Christ, the perfect Son of God, there with his disciples, there in the middle of them. What a contrast between that called out assembly and what a picture of what the church is to be. And by the way, by the theology of some of this emergent theology that's creeping into to Baptist churches, uh, they were all wrong because they should have blended in a little bit better. They shouldn't have stuck out amongst the people. I mean, after all, you got to be like them to win them. No, what a contrast. The perfect Son of God with His disciples. What a picture of the called-out church that Jesus would found that He would be the foundation of. Jesus is not just the founder. Did Jesus found the church? Absolutely. But Jesus is the foundation. For let me remind all of us, you're not the foundation. I'm not the foundation. No man is the foundation. Christ is the foundation. Statement number two, Jesus will build his church on this foundation, not on any man. Jesus will build his church on this foundation, not on any man. What do I mean? What's the foundation? The foundation is himself. When he says in verse number 18, if you look there with me again, he says, I will, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus says he will build his church. So according to the word of God, who builds the church? Christ does. What does Christ build the church on? The foundation. What or who is the foundation? He is the foundation. He is going to build his church on himself, and he will not build on the foundation that is any man. Put this in context with verse 13 and verse 14. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Can you imagine as he asked in the shadow of the temples that were worshiping false gods, and the hustle and bustle around them, whom do men say that I am? Now, we know that man had rejected Jesus as the Christ. Still do it today. And the answer is, some say they aren't John the Baptist. Some Elias and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. There were some, like Herod, who said, it's, it's John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some who believe because of historical context, they believe it was Jeremiah. Or they, he sounded a lot like Isaiah. Well, what, what, what they didn't put together was Isaiah was talking about Jesus. Jesus was not talking about Isaiah. And, or, or they didn't put him with one of them. They just said, he's a prophet. And one of the sad things about visiting a place like Israel is the fact that even Jews today still reject the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not going to build a church on a man. Many have rejected Christ and looked to man. Friend, this morning, do not look to man for the answers. You cannot you didn't look to man for salvation. And men who are looking to other men for salvation, 
They're disappointed every single time because it was the Lord Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no way to have access with God but through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus did call out His church. He did call out that assembly to be built upon Himself. And Jesus said, I will build the church, and He's not going to build it on a man. He's not going to build it on a prophet. You think of every false religion that pops in your mind. It was started and built on a man's philosophy. It was built on flesh, sinful flesh and blood. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is different because it's built on Him and Him alone. And Jesus will build His church. That's why these false religions, because it is built on a man, and I know, let me help you, they use the name of Jesus, but it's another Jesus. The Jesus they believe in is not the same Jesus of the Bible. Jesus says He'll build His church on himself. He's not going to build his church on the Pope. He's not going to build his church on any church teacher. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He is going to build it upon himself. Will you think about the church and what he does, and I think of our church, and of course he is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He will build on His church as He is the foundation. And He does the work and it is through Him. You think about what brings all of us together today. It's not the winning personality of the pastor. Although he is quite charming, I hear. It's not, it's not the wonderful music that we enjoy week after week. How has He built His church? It's built on Himself. You think of every person who has been changed today. A man didn't change you, but the Lord Jesus Christ changed you. The Lord Jesus Christ cleaned you up. The Lord Jesus Christ picked you up when you couldn't pick yourself up and He changed you and He transformed you. You were built on Him and all we are, and we say it, and it becomes kind of cliche, but it's certainly true. We're just a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God. And that is what His church is, is just a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God. But we are His church because He has built us on Himself. And no program can change and a man like the Lord Jesus Christ can change a man. No, no program can, can put a home together like the Lord Jesus Christ can mend a home. No program or book or formula can rear children like they're reared on the Lord Jesus Christ. And for a church to be what it's supposed to be, what is it? That's why we preach Christ. Because it is Christ who saves sinners. It is Christ who changes one's eternity. And then upon salvation, of course, the Spirit of God lives within them. And it is because of their salvation that Jesus can change their life. Now, life is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the greatest thing that we can do 
for those who trust Christ as their Savior is involve them in the church. Is it because your programs are better? No, it's because of the foundation. It's because of the cornerstone. It's because God, Jesus said, I'll build my church. How many, how many of you have heard the statement, the spiritual cliche, if you will, in the last 12 months, the people are the church? I think we've all heard that. And it is certainly true. When Jesus said, I'll build my church, he, he, He's not going to start laying brick. He builds people. You know what's going to build people in this world? Is Jesus. He'll build a church. Say, Pastor, we're, we're going to a program. We want to, to grow our ministry. We're wanting to uh, reach more people. Uh, what kind of programs are you going to do? Oh, we're going to do the ones where you go and you tell people about Jesus. Well, are we gonna we're gonna change we're gonna change what we do? No, we preach Jesus and it's him who builds. It's the Spirit of God that convicts, it's Jesus that saves. But he'll build his work on himself. Many are making the mistake and they're destroying their their, their, their churches many times without even knowing it because they shift the focus off of the Lord Jesus Christ to some other purpose, some other program. Jesus never promised to build on another man. He promised to build on himself. Therefore, we must continue to preach Christ, make Christ known to men, and Jesus will do in their life what nobody else can do. You and I should be a friend of sinners. What does that mean? That means we're a friend enough to get them to Jesus. A lot of times this world wants us to solve their symptoms more than they want their problem solved. What's going to change somebody, Jesus? How many of you are saved this morning? Wow, you're, the, the blood of Christ overcame your sins. Probably can overcome your addiction too. Probably can help you overcome temptation too. It's Jesus. He'll build on himself. He'll never build a foundation on either man. Number three. Look at me at verse number 18. I like this. I like it all, but I like this. And I say also unto thee, thou art, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Statement number three is this. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I didn't figure I needed to change the wording of the Bible to give you a, a point. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The eternal battle between amongst men is between heaven and hell. And I can't help but put into context in my mind that Jesus is speaking these words in a city where the people there literally were bombarding the gates of hell in their mind to try and get an answer from a false god. They believed they were at the gate of the underworld. And Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those gates, a gate offers protection. A gate is an entrance to a city or an access point. And Jesus said that 
The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. See, the, he used these words on purpose, of course, and I want to remind us that things, some things never change in the sense that the gates of hell still shall not prevail against the church. What, what do you think the Lord is trying to remind His disciples as He has called them out and established His church and He is the cornerstone and He is the rock the church is going to be built on? And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He did not send them to the redeemed. He did not send them to the saved. He sent them to this world and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. The power of God is greater than any power of any false god, false religion, Satan himself, and the church empowered by God. There is no resistance to the church. There is no destruction of the church. You and I must be reminded that a church built on Christ, a church with Christ as the foundation, Christ as the message, that Christ is building, there is no stopping the church of God. I know what some are worried about, what some may say there's, there's evil rulers and there's, and there's change in the wind. But my, might I remind you that the whole book of Acts, the world was turned upside down, not because of a political revolution, but because of the church of God empowered by the Spirit of God. And you and I need to be reminded that this world is not more wicked than this world they lived in. The backdrop that we find ourselves in is not more wicked than, than what they were in the shadows of when Jesus spoke these words. He said, upon this rock, while they had their temples up on those rocks, upon this rock, I will build my church. And might I add, from the, if you remember those pictures, those temples are no longer there, but God's church is still here. But I also remind you that he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The lost, pagan, wicked, deranged, that are found in this world, those evil forces cannot withstand against God's church. Let's be reminded that some things never change. This world's always been wicked. Then I give you statement number four, and I'm out of time. The key for the church is to follow heaven's pattern. Verse number 19, the Lord speaking to Peter, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now again, verse number 18 and verse number 19, many times and much times, and get taken out of context and miss misinterpreted and used to establish Peter as the first pope when God never established anybody as a pope, to establish Peter as the foundation of the church when the foundation of the church is Christ himself. Peter, no doubt, was instrumental in preaching Christ. You think about Pentecost and how he was used at Pentecost when the thousands were saved. And the keys of the kingdom of heaven I believe simply put, we're not getting too deep into it, that what the Lord is saying 
When he says, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, your efforts, your actions, your pattern, your plan is heaven's plan. I'll give you the keys through the Spirit of God. I'll give you the keys as you build the work on me and follow the pattern that is in heaven. Friend, may I remind you, we could could build a big crowd, but that may not have power of God. It may not move anything because it's not following the pattern of heaven. The key for the church is to follow heaven's pattern. Well, I mentioned Peter preaching Pentecost, but let's not forget that before he preached Pentecost and those thousands came to Christ and those thousands were added to the church, uh, these men, along with, with, with some of those other early Christians, uh, they, they went into that upper room and they stayed until they were empowered by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moved that day in a way that He had not moved before. The New Testament church that certainly Peter and these others were part of and establishing as as that church began to spread across that region, and literally the gospel eventually, we're recipients of that same gospel today. How did he do it? He did it heaven's way. He did it through the power of God. Some things never change. It has always been a wicked day. There has always been those who rejected Christ and served a false god. So I use this familiar passage of Scripture and really this this key passage of Scripture in, in the local church with the visual and the context of the wickedness of Caesarea Philippi. And it does not escape me, and I trust that it will not escape you, the fact that the Lord could have chosen to to challenge them in this way, to ask these questions anywhere He wanted. But He felt impressed as God to put them in this environment with the wickedness around them, with the idol worship around them, and ask the question, who do they say that I am? I am picture this in my mind that people were just going back and forth, not even taking notice. As a contrast to other cities when Christ entered, the multitudes gathered because the Son of God was there. Who do men say that I am? Some say you're this one. Some say you're this one. Then he asked them all, whom do you say that I am? And of course, Peter is the spokesperson. He says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In the shadow of the temple of Pan, Peter declares, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Of course, Jesus says, You've answered correctly. My Father in heaven revealed it unto you. Peter would go on with the other apostles. As I've already mentioned several times a day, would, according to the scripture, turn the world upside down. Some things never change. Pastor, it's wicked. 
Or maybe we ought to just get back to the basics. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not everybody wants to hear that. It doesn't change the fact that it's true. It doesn't change the fact that it should be declared. If some things never change, then Jesus is still the founder and He's still the foundation. What are we going to do in 2021? We're going to keep building on our foundation. Jesus, some things never change and some things don't. Jesus will build. He says, I will build. And friend, as sure as you and I are saved on our way to heaven, that is true. I will build my church. What are we going to do? We're going to keep giving him material to build a church with. If some things never change, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And friend, make no mistake, it has always been this way. The gates of hell are assembled against God's church. I think sometimes we think because there's the presence of the opposition that something must be off. Oh, no, it's always been there. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church. If some things never change and some things don't, then we need to be reminded that the key for the church is to follow heaven's pattern. For too long, and I believe it's part of the detriment of our nation, the church has changed to fit the culture and the climate that it lives in. And if it was true, if it came from the Lord's mouth, <clears throat> in the wicked city of Caesarea Philippi, in the shadow of a temple where they were worshiping a false god, believed they were they were, they were accessing the gate to the underworld. If it was true then, can I tell you, it's certainly true in Jacksonville, Florida in the year 2021. If we execute God's plan, heaven's plan, and through the power of God, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He will build his church. Sinners will get saved. God's agenda will get advanced. Some things never change. This morning as we conclude the service, might I add to the thought of some things never change that Jesus is still saving sinners in 2021. If you're here here this morning and you don't know Christ, the fact that He has you here and He gives you an opportunity, it's not too late. Trust Christ as your Savior. Christian, I'm not discouraged today because I've got promises of God Some things never change. Wickedness has always been here. But I've got a promise. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And if we follow heaven's pattern, that was as it is in heaven. If it's bound in heaven, bound on earth, bound on earth, bound in heaven, the two are on the same page. In other words, we follow this book. We follow Christ's command for the church. Great and miraculous things can be done and will be done. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. The solution for our world today is still the same as it was in the first century. It's still the Lord Jesus Christ. It's still 
the church. Father, I pray that you